Good morning, Trainline Church family. Pastor Rob here, and welcome to joining us on this Sunday morning. I hang on, I'm getting I'm getting a message coming in here. Getting a message? Oh, I just was been informed that Ron Cleveringa had a birthday this last Wednesday. He turned 49 years old. Oh man. Yeah, good. Happy birthday, Ron. Glad you did. And Ron, you can wake up now for crying out loud. Here we go again. Second Sunday in a row, you're sleeping through it. Hey, we're glad you're all joining us here this morning, and especially those of you visiting as well. And if you uh, haven't heard about Trinity Alliance before, you can go to our website at trinityalliance.org, and you can learn more about the church there and things. And uh, for those of you who are part of the church family, uh, our announcements and things, again, are at tacreading.info site, and you can go there uh, to learn some things, uh, what's happening in the week and the month and such. We do have a couple of announcements about some things that are happening. First of all, if you look in your bulletin, you'll see there's an announcement in there about VBS, Vacation Bible School. Yes, we are going to have Vacation Bible School. Uh, we're not really sure about the date. We're kind of hoping for somewhere maybe in June. It maybe get pushed into July. But we are going to do it, and we need people to start signing up for that. And so if you are interested in that, be watching emails and things. Be more information coming out about that. You can contact Debbie Vandermark about it, and she'll be happy to answer all your questions about VBS as well. Also, something else that's coming up, um, July 30th through August 2nd is our family camp at Hereford Ranch. Yes, we are going to do family camp. We're going to get out there, and we're going to just enjoy God's creation and just kick back and, and just have a good time with the church family up there. Be more information coming next week about how to sign up for that, and we're going to need to hear from you right away. I kind of think it's probably going to go pretty fast after being cooped up for two months and sheltering in place. So... Uh, don't don't dawdle on that. It's probably going to go pretty quick. So be watching for that information coming uh, via email and and uh, and through the um, uh, TrinityAlliance.info site as well. We have a uh, congregational scripture reading this morning out of Matthew and chapter 22, and I'm going to read those verses for you if you follow along as the verses appear on the screen. And he said to him, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul." and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's pray together. Father, we just come before you this morning to, once again, worship you in spirit and truth in this unique fashion through the digital media. Lord, we, we trust that this glorifies and honors you. We trust that, that all that your spirit works through and in and to us this morning will, will edify us, will also just strengthen our relationship with you. But Lord, more than that, will bring you honor and glory and praise to the highest. Lord, that we will understand all the more what it means to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, 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 and how to love our neighbors ourselves all the more. So, Lord, we, we just ask you to take all the distractions and stuff that have been going on, especially this last week with all the changes and things that have been happening with the, the politics and such. Lord, just take all of that stuff out of our minds. Let us just listen to what you have to say to us this morning through song and through the word as Pastor Sean brings us another awesome word um, from, from your word, Lord. So we give this time to you and trust for your leading in it and on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Laura?
seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grits are at the store. He has loosed veins for lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. It is flowing through the cities and the waste will be restored. By the leading of the Spirit, and they're trusting in His Word, His army marches on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. Arise and shine, my people, see the glory of the Lord. Signs and wonders marches on in one form. His soldiers do not falter, as for him they will the sword. His army marches on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah. I 
Good morning, church. It is wonderful to be with you again on another wonderful Sunday morning. And uh, we are excited about June 7th. Uh, we, that is uh, the date that we're planning on beginning to have in-person services. And I announced this earlier this week, and I hope you saw the video or read the email about that. If you didn't, I encourage you to go back and do so. And I know things continue to wrap rapidly change, and uh, President Trump made a, uh, a statement on Friday about churches being essential and encouraging our governors to open up churches again, and so we are uh, looking at the possibility of, uh, you know, those re restrictions that are currently on churches to be lifted, certainly expect them to be lifted by the 7th, uh, and so even though perhaps uh, we could meet next Sunday, we're still, we're still waiting for June 7th, and so just wanted to make sure you guys recognize that there's still some mitigation things that we're going to have to do when we do meet. And so we want to make sure we have all of those things kind of figured out, that we've communicated with all of you about what those mitigation efforts are so that we can make sure that we can meet and uh, everybody kind of understands how it's going. But uh, continue to look for Tuesday and Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, in regards to our videos and emails that we're sending out a couple of days a week, because uh, we're going to continue to give more information about what those serv that service is going to be like on June 7th. Uh, again, it's going to be outdoor in our amphitheater and so we're excited about the fact that we have this amphitheater, that we can do, uh, do an outdoor service like that. And so, uh, but anyway, more information coming out. Just wanted to make sure you guys knew that. Also, June is a big month for our church in a couple other ways. Uh, first, uh, we are going to be having Luke Williams, who's been in our church for a couple of years now, working with our youth. He's a Simpson student. He's going to be doing his internship starting in June for the summer. And so we're excited to have him on board uh, to kind of taking over youth ministry stuff for the uh, for a couple of months over the summer and doing some different things. Now again, uh, right now our youth ministry is not meeting yet, but they we expect again that they'll be able to be in, begin meeting in person in June at, at the latest, and uh, so he'll be able to kind of take that and start running with that. So we're excited about that. So be praying for Luke uh, for his summer as he prepares uh, to just kind of get some experience in ministry and and also pray for him because he's going to have to work with me. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to make his life miserable. I'm a youth pastor. I know all the horrible things that you have to do as a youth pastor. I'm going to make him do them all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Food food challenges. He's going to have to eat the food stuff, the bad, nasty stuff. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. Anyway, so uh, be praying for Luke. It's going to be great to have him around uh, for the summer. Also, uh, another thing happening in June is Laura, our wonderful pianist and worship director of our church, <laughs> she is going to take the summer off. She's leaving. She doesn't like us anymore. She's getting out of town. She's like, I'm out of here. No, not really. But she's going to take uh, a few months off from leading the church in worship. And so we're just not going to do worship for three months. It's just going to, we're just going to sit around and twiddle our thumbs. It's going to be great. You know, it'll be fun. Uh, maybe I'll come up with some stories to tell. No, not really. Uh, anyway, no, we have China. You guys know China? Yeah. China's young. She's going to be with us all summer long, taking over our, uh, to leading our worship for the summer. And so she'll be here uh, June 7th. 
7th as well. So the first outdoor service we're doing, we're going to have a new worship leader for the summer. We're going to have a new youth intern for the summer. It's going to be great. So uh, super excited about that. Be praying for China as well as she prepares to lead our church throughout the summer in worship. I'll also be praying for Laura as she just gets some time off to kind of just spend more time with her family. She's got her oldest daughter getting ready to head off to college, and so she'll uh, be able to enjoy some extra time with her, and uh, also just being able to spend extra time with the Lord. So be praying that uh, the Lord would just refresh her, and uh, that uh, she would just uh, have a sweet summer uh, of rest and refreshment and connection with her family and with the Lord. All right, that's all I've got for you today. So I'm just going to pray, and we're going to move on with our service. Sound good? All right, here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. We do thank you that uh, things are beginning to open up, and we are now looking forward to just two weeks from now being able to have in-person services again. Uh, Lord, there are a lot of uh, things that need to be figured out between now and then, and we just ask that you would help all of the staff and different folks in the church that are going to be working on those different aspects, that you would just empower them and that you would refresh them and encourage them in this time, uh, that you would help uh, their work to, to go smoothly and uh, they'd be able to work efficiently and effectively and get things ready to go. We also pray for our church that as we prepare our hearts to begin to meet together again, that, that Lord, you would um, continue to give us uh, excitement about that, but also, Lord, at the same time, would you help, to, help us to have some patience too, recognizing that it's not gonna be back to normal right away, that we, we're gonna have some time where it's gonna be still a little bit different, in person, but a little bit different. And so help us all to just have patience with that, uh, to be able to continue to lean into you in this time, that you would continue to direct us as a church, that you'd continue to direct us individually, that we would recognize what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives, that we would accept the love that you've been dumping into our, our, into our hearts, into our souls, and that we would open up the floodgates to pass that love on to others as well. That we, again, as it would be a church that's known for our love, uh, that you would be glorified in that, that people would recognize your amazing love because your people are loving. All right, Lord, thank you for this day. Just pray that this worship service would be glorifying to you, that you would once again bless us with your presence, uh, revealing your presence in each of our living rooms and our homes today, that uh, we would uh, just uh, just sense that you are moving, that you are speaking, that you are uh, continuing to work in our community and in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, worship team, let's continue to sing some songs together. Go. Ready, set, go. Oh, good morning, church family. Um, as we uh, enter into a time of worshiping our Savior and Lord through song this morning, um, I just want to take a little bit of time just to share with you some ponderings of my heart and also some scripture for you this morning from 1 John 4. And I want us to be focused on what we are singing and also why we are singing. And I'm hoping that um, this, uh, what I'm about to tell you, will help you to just set your mind and your heart in preparation for worship um, of our Jesus and Lord and Savior this morning. Um, So my ponderings, I'm probably going to read this because I wrote it out and um, it's easier for me sometimes just to read what I wrote So um, my ponderings from this week from my heart um, is saying it is easy to get discouraged and even fearful as we consider circumstances in our nation and world. 
But God is up to something. God is up to love. And he is still calling his people into that great plan. Like God told Joshua as he was stepping into Moses' shoes as the leader of Israel, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. As God's people, we step into his shoes of love to lead people out of darkness into his glorious light, and God will be with us. God's greatest commandment is love, and we read that earlier in Matthew. And uh, now is the time for the church to be his vessel of love to the least and to the last and to the lost. I'm going to read from you uh, bits and parts of 1 John 4. You, my children, are from God and have overcome because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are of the world, and that is why they speak from the world's perspective, and the world listens to them. Beloved, let us love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So we're going to begin our time of worship in these songs. And I mentioned before that we would be focused on what we are singing and why we're singing. And I've kind of shared why we're singing. Um, But you'll probably recognize some of the lyrics within the songs that we're singing. I'm just going to shout some of them. I'm not going to shout them. I'm going to speak some of them out to you um, that you may recognize. That kind of draws us of what I just spoke about in 1 John 4. Um, our call to love the captive soul. Our battle cry is love. We will not be shaken. We will not be overcome. Greater is he living in me than he who is living in the world. Remind my heart, Lord. Increase my faith. As courage comes to take fear's place with perfect love. I will keep singing your praise. Let's worship the Lord this morning. And let's seek him first. And as we sing these words, be reminded, let's love one another. For God is love. Amen? Amen. see 
The water's raging at my feet, I can feel the breath of the surrounding me, I can hear the sound of nations rising up, we will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road, I can face every fear of the unknown, I can hear all God's children
nothing can take my hallelujah shadow will break darkness will break i'll keep on singing your praise oh nothing can take my hallelujah nothing can take my hallelujah shadows will fade darkness will break i'll keep on singing your praise oh nothing can take my hallelujah nothing can take my hallelujah shadows will fade darkness will break Dear Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to come together, even if we are not together in person, Lord. I thank you that your Holy Spirit connects us and that you are with us no matter where we go. Lord, I pray for Pastor Sean as he gives this sermon. I pray that you would speak through him and that the words that would come out of his mouth are what you want him to say. And I pray that you would prepare each of our hearts to hear what what you want us to hear, Lord, and to take in what you want us to take in, and that you would use this message to further your kingdom, Lord. Pray that you just give Pastor P- Sean peace as he prepares to speak forth your word, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Hello, church. It, uh, again, it's good to be with you again and to, to know... Uh, that uh, we've got such a great team around here that I could head to Washington for a week and uh, know that uh, everybody could handle it and <laughs> we would have just an amazing service uh, last week. And appreciate uh, Pastor Bob and his message and, uh, of course, again, Laura and uh, her team and just the worship that we got to experience. And uh, I was also uh, glad that I could cut in on Bob at least a little bit in last week's service, so that was fun. Uh, anyway, it's uh, a good thing to be here, and it's a good thing to be with you. Uh, this morning's message uh, is outside of the the scheduled message in regards to uh, you know how I pattern things out. I've been uh, most recently we've been dealing with the I am statements in the Book of John that uh, Jesus made, and we were supposed to be scheduled this week to be on the uh, the Good Shepherd, uh, but we've postponed that for a week because I just feel like it's time for me to give a, a message in regards to you know how, the time that we're in. 
Uh, It's been challenging for uh, many of us, maybe all of us in these times, and and I just feel like that it's time for me to say something, and maybe some of you think it's past time, and matter of fact, I feel a little bit that tension as well, uh, but I realized as I've been praying about this for weeks now and just seeking the Lord that uh, it wasn't settled in my heart what the message was yet. I was still waiting to hear from Jesus, to hear from the Holy Spirit, to hear from the Father, what is his, where is his heart in the midst of this time, and how are we as a church to respond? How are we as Christians to respond? And so this morning, I have prepared a message for you that uh, will speak to that, and, uh, and I think even though we're seeing excitement about the fact that we're beginning to open up and we're going to be able to have in-person services soon, that this message is going to be something that I think we need to continue to cling to uh, as we proceed through the summer and into the fall, uh, that there is some relevance to what I'm about to say and what I'm about to share with you that I think goes beyond just this moment in time. And so I will encourage you to uh, open up your hearts and listen. Uh, I've also decided this morning that I am uh, actually, uh, I'm going to read what I've written. Now, I've, um, I don't normally manuscript my messages, and I certainly don't normally read my manuscript, but the Lord has been pushing me into more and more writing, and I've realized as I get older, uh, I feel like what I write sometimes is a little bit more clear than how I communicate just verbally from an outline. And with a message like this where there's so much potential for misunderstanding, uh, I felt like I wanted to be more careful with my words, and so I'm going to uh, do something that I normally would not do, but I just feel like maybe the Spirit has led me to make sure I'm, I, I just read what I've written, because I like what I've written, and I think it's fitting for the time, and it'll help me to be a little more precise, I think, with my language. So uh, I know for some of you that's going to be a challenge as well. I will do the best I can to read it well and to at least give a little bit of eye contact. Uh, and I know some people don't like my eye contact. I've heard about that with the videos, you know, me looking in the video and seeing you face right in the looking you right in the face some of you don't like that you're like hey wait get out of my living room uh but uh, so some of you this will be nice to have less uh, eye contact but anyway so without that uh, any further ado and a setup on that i'm going to go ahead and just read what i feel like the lord has led me to write and uh, i hope that this will be an encouragement to all of us as we continue to seek uh for truth and where is god in all of this and what is, how is he directing us and leading us So church, we are in quite a mess these days, are we not? Every day, the tension is rising. Fear of getting infected, having a loved one infected, or being unable to make ends meet without a job bombard us every day. There's great concern over the impact all this has had on our families, kids, churches, and businesses. Many have anger over the information, misinformation, politicization, and polarization. And others are dealing with frustration due to the lost freedoms, inconveniences, insensitivity, and selfishness. 
With all the heightened emotions, divisive rhetoric, and daily changes in government guidance, we are all living with constant stress and anxiety. It is in this tense atmosphere that I want to step in with a purposefully softer tone and offer a little different perspective than what seems to be most popular today. I don't come to you this morning as an expert, as the authority, or even as a prophet. Instead, I come to you as a friend, a pastor, a shepherd. I want to share with you what I've come to conclude is the heart of Jesus for this time. After many days and weeks of prayer, fasting, study, and conversations with other pastors and leaders, the following is what I believe is God's word for Christians in America today. We are on the precipice of our greatest victory or our greatest defeat. What we are facing today and how we respond to it is our moment of truth. The church has done some awesome things over the last couple months in reaching out to a lost and fearful world with the hope of Jesus. We have seen many come into the kingdom of God as a result of this pandemic and the church's response to it. But at this moment, we are in grave danger of torpedoing All the wonderful work we've done and of seeing the powerful momentum the Spirit's developed be undercut in just a second. How we proceed in words, in actions, and even in our thoughts will determine how the world will view the church, Christians, us, you, but most importantly, how the world will view Jesus. We will get to be part of the first revival of the 21st century, or we will snuff out the great movement of the Spirit. One of the keys to understanding the will of God in particular situations is to look for how he worked in similar situations in the past. Christians throughout history have turned to the Bible as God's word for help in discerning how to respond to times of great challenge. So this morning I will refer to several different passages that I think are relevant to our situation and are instructive on how we should respond today. The first passage I want to turn to is in Mark chapter 12. Verses 13 to 17. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. 
but truly teach the way of God? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Don't you find it interesting that Jesus doesn't openly criticize Rome? One of the most brutal and tyrannical governments in the history of humanity is oppressing his chosen people, not allowing them to fully worship God, and Jesus is quiet. It is not the tax collector's table that he overturns. It is not governors who he calls a brood of vipers. It is not Roman law that he violates by healing people on the Sabbath. In this passage, church leaders have the perfect question to get Jesus in trouble with the Romans. In essence, they ask, what is more important, Jesus, giving your tithe to God or paying your taxes to Rome? And Jesus stuns them by saying they both are important. <laughs> like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, Christians and churches on both sides of the political aisle are crying out for God to free us from the horrible leadership that we are suffering under. Many are standing up to the governing authorities and proclaiming judgment on them and are expecting Jesus to come in and free us from our oppression. But like 2,000 years ago, I believe Jesus' harshest words at this time are reserved for pastors, churches, and Christians in America. If Jesus were to show up today and walk among us, it would be our lack of compassion and judgmentalism that he would overturn. It would be our merciless demand for rights and selfishly clinging to safety that he'd confront. While we were in court he'd be engaging in loving conversation with a 70-year-old man at the grocery store while wearing a mask and being sure to stay six feet away. While we were shaming the greedy business owners, he'd be providing a meal for a young family who just lost their small business because of the shutdowns. I believe if Jesus were here, he would be asking Christians the toughest questions, not the government. He'd be challenging the church to get their priorities right, not our politicians. He'd be taking us to task for our critical spirits, arrogant rantings, and divisive arrogance. 
he'd be wondering what happened to his faith, hope, and love. The next passage I'd like to turn to is Matthew. We actually already read it, but I'm going to read it again to you. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. Again, familiar passage to all of you, but important for us to remember as time in times as these. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God. Well, I'll start at 36. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. After almost 250 years, it appears pluralism has fully consumed the hearts of some of us in the church. American and Christian have become so intertwined that it is impossible to separate the two. What is American is Christian. What is Christian is American. The Bill of Rights and the Constitution are the third testaments and are defended just as vigorously as the resurrection of Jesus. In this time when the government is taking extreme measures in hopes to save lives, too many of us Christians are fighting against tyranny at the expense of loving the most vulnerable. I have been shocked to see hundreds of pastors leading their churches into blatant rebellion against our governor and in callous ignorance of the vulnerable all in an effort to defend their rights. The First Amendment says it, and I guess that settles it. These Americanized Christians are sure to throw Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men, into the faces of the authorities or other Christians who may question their motives and actions. Totally ignoring, at least explain, or at least explaining away the meaning of Romans 13, 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. But even more disturbing is that their loud chanting against tyranny has deafened them to the still small voice of Jesus being whispered by the least of these. The most vulnerable to the virus stand by and watch the spectacle, wondering how a group of people could be so hypocritical. How can they profess to serve a loving God, but behave so unloving towards me, just so that they can have church services again? I will confess my own temptation to fall into this camp. I too have a high view of the Constitution and celebrate God's use of it to bring about great blessings around the world. I admit many of the perspectives in this group of Christians are ones I hold, and they make a lot of sense to me. But as I sought Jesus, he revealed a better way. 
He drew my attention to the greatest commandments in Matthew 22, 37 to 39, like I just read, to love God and to love others. He challenged me with the perspective that being unloving to the vulnerable in order to defend my right to worship, not wear a mask, or maintain social distances is immoral. If Jesus were here, he would not be in the courthouse. He would be standing outside the window of a room in an assisted living facility having a conversation with a lonely individual. Understand, I am not saying that there is no room for Christians to take legal action to defend their constitutional rights and the rights of others. We are blessed to live in a country where we have a voice and we should use it. But we must not zero our focus there. The power of Christianity is that it flourishes in every kind of government. Jesus didn't rage against Rome because Christianity can spread just fine in the midst of tyranny and oppression. It doesn't matter if we are able to meet in person for worship, online for worship, or not at all for worship. The church can still spread. Our primary focus must remain in loving God and loving others. The next passage is in John Chapter 12. I'll read verses 3 through 8. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor will always For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. There has always been a group of Christians filled with compassion and concern for the most vulnerable in society. Over the centuries, different Christian organizations have come about in an effort to care for the homeless, the needy, the sick. Orphanages, missions, and of course the Salvation Army are just a few that most of us have at least heard of, but, they are, but there are countless others. These organizations and the people who serve in them are driven by a passion for social justice. Social justice is simply the perspective that everyone should have equal access to wealth, health, opportunity, and privileges. Although in recent decades, the social justice perspective has been picked up by non-religious groups, it is still primarily a Christian viewpoint. 
We've especially seen this developed in the, rec- in the midst of this current pandemic. Christians have risen to the occasion in places like New York and New Orleans as believing nurses and doctors from around the country have willingly gone to these places and put their lives in danger in order to care for the sick. But the sensitive hearts of those who regularly care for the sick and vulnerable have bled over into the streets, demanding that no city or state should open back up until we have a vaccine for the virus. Their argument is that it's the only way we can protect the vulnerable, and every life matters. The slogan reads, if staying home saves a life, one life, it is worth it. Just as shocking as the pastors leading their churches into the courtroom is the others who are shaming their members into staying home and ranting about the greed-driven Americans who are ignoring the government orders to shelter in place. They, of course, are sure to quote Romans 13 and Matthew 25, and yet are quick to dismiss Acts 5 in the passage I just read, John 12. Perhaps, though, most shocking is there in their vehement defense of those vulnerable to the virus, they have been blinded to the millions of people made vulnerable by their campaign. There are cancer patients whose surgeries have been postponed, heart attack and stroke victims who have been too afraid to go to the hospital, business owners, workers, parents, and kids who are dealing with tremendous stress and depression. Suicide rates and drug addictions are starting to climb. Divorces, domestic abuse, homelessness are all increasing because of the shutdown. And they are watching Christians demand that they should continue to suffer and even die so that those vulnerable to the virus can live. How can a person who says God loves everyone, they think, put the well-being of someone else above my own? Understand, I am not saying that there is no room for putting in the effort to help and protect and defend the lives of those who could die by the virus. Indeed, a foundational characteristic of Christianity is to care for the lost, sick, poor, and imprisoned. But we must never lose sight of the fact that all life is equally valuable and equally worth defending. Perhaps even more important is the perspective in John 12. The poor will always be with you. Jesus' point is not that we shouldn't try to help the poor, but we shouldn't think the primary concern is to make them rich. Our love for the vulnerable is not primarily to save their physical lives. It is to save their spiritual lives. We must always remember that death is something we all come to, and it is not the end. Our primary concern should always be to fight for spiritual life, not just physical life. If our defense of one's physical life is causing the death of another's spiritual life, we'd be wise to reevaluate.
The next passage is from 1 Corinthians. Again, a uh, popular one and one you, I'm sure, are very familiar with. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but the whole chapter certainly is worth reading. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, just the first few verses. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love, true love, We'll follow you all of your days. (laughs) Weddings always bring this quote from the princess bride to my mind. So last week in preparation for my daughter's wedding, we watched the movie and once again laughed our way through it, especially at the hilarious quotes during the wedding scene. But it strikes me that we are at a point in our lives where more than ever we need to receive and express love. With our country in tremendous upheaval and everyone seeming to have such diametrically opposed views, we find ourselves surrounded with hate-filled speech, conspiracy theories, and angry disagreements that are dividing us much more than the six feet suggested by our officials. If we continue down our current path, we will find this pandemic and our response to it will end up tearing apart our country, our homes, and our churches. But the question is, in this time, what is true love? (laughs) Not just theoretically, but practically. How do we go about loving each other in this time? So let's take a few minutes to remind ourselves of the biblical perspective and practice of love. First, love is not selfish. It's amazing how many times in counseling, Christians who are in conflict with a family member or friend demand that the other person needs to be more loving to them. It seems every time people get into conflict, they become extremely critical of the other person. They focus on the, others changing, the other changing their behavior, apologizing correctly, and loving them the way they need to be loved. Our culture has sold Americans on the perspective that we all deserve to be loved the way we desire to be loved. As a result, everyone goes around demanding that everyone else treat them a particular way. But that is exactly opposite of what Scripture teaches. God says that love is not something we demand from others. It is something we demand from ourselves. True love is freely given and always has the object of love in mind. The strongest relationships are always experienced when each person selflessly works to be loving to the other person. Second, love is not one size fits all. It is popular to think that we should love others the way we would want to be loved. But even this can be deceiving. True love means we love the other person the way they 
want to be loved. Let me explain. Gary Chapman came out with a book some years ago titled The Five Love Languages. We were uh, talking about this actually this last week in Washington with my parents and everybody. Perhaps you have read it, but if not, we should all be aware that there are five different ways that people feel loved. Words of affirmation, acts of service, physical touch, thoughtful gifts, and quality time. I make young couples who are about to get married take a test in order to determine what each of their love languages are. It is important to know what your love language is because it helps you to know what motivates you in life. But it is much more important to know the love language of others because then you are able to love them in a way that they will receive it. Our tendency is to love people the way we like to be loved, and our culture promotes this idea. But consider Debbie and I. My love language is physical touch, oh baby. Mm -hmm. And And hers is acts of service. When we first got married, I always reached out to hold Debbie's hand or put my arm around her shoulder because that was how I felt loved. But Debbie would get frustrated with me because I didn't help around the house much or do projects without her asking. At the same time, she was doing a great job caring for our home and our kids. But I was frustrated because she never put her hand on my shoulder or initiated holding hands. Once we learned about love languages, we were able to love each other much better. In this time, we must seek ways to love people the way they feel love. For those vulnerable or fearful about the virus, we need to love them by maintaining our distance and wearing a mask. We need to not mock them or criticize them for their fear. We need to seek to connect with them in a way that allows them to feel safe and still engaged in relationships. Finally, love is not safe. It was Jesus' love for us that led him to the cross. Because he loved us, he gave up his safety and willingly put himself in harm's way. Jesus also instructs us to follow in his footsteps and be ready to give up our life for a friend. He even teaches us to love our enemies, which means we will purposefully put ourselves in harm's way in order to love them. If we are going to be loving to others, we will have to make sacrifices and sometimes put our life in the hands, our life on the line. But we can do that with confidence that our life is secure in the hands of Jesus. Not that we won't possibly die, but that if we do die, he will resurrect us and usher us into eternity. In this time, we need to be prepared to love people by giving them a hug. Even though it may put us at greater risk of getting the virus. We should be willing to meet with someone who is desperate for contact. To support a struggling business. To watch someone's kids. To invite people to our home. All right, next passage in James chapter 1. Again, familiar passages. 
You guys are getting uh, lots of reminders this morning. <laughs> James chapter 1, verses 2 and following. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in, non- in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. <laughs> it is in these dangerous times like these, it is in dangerous times like these, that our trust in Jesus is put to the test. How do we know the best way to love others? How do we navigate the dangers? We can only do it through seeking, trusting, and following Jesus. So many of us are frustrated by what we are experiencing. We are crying out to God, begging him to take this trial from us. But we must remember that trials are how God develops and matures our faith. As the things of this world that we trust are trusting in fail us, we have an opportunity to turn to Jesus instead. And as we focus our eyes on him, our hope increases. Our trust in him grows, and our faith deepens. It is in volatile times like these that we need his wisdom in order to navigate these troubled waters. Praise the Lord that we are encouraged by James that those who seek wisdom will receive it. With all the different voices shouting from the mountaintops, it is impossible for us to know how to step out and live with confidence. But if we choose to seek Jesus and ask for his wisdom, he will answer. He will help us to know how to love each person how to stand for justice while still being loving, how to protect the vulnerable without harming others, how to be a powerful example of the love of Jesus to the world. Worship team, why don't you come forward? I do have one more passage and a couple of comments on it, but as they come, I'll go ahead and do that and The next passage is out of John chapter 13. That must not be the right passage. Oh, you know, I've got the wrong verse. There it is. John 13, 35. Sorry about that. John 13, 35. Jesus starts before that in verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. 
You will seek me, just as I said to the Jews. So now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Church, Trinity Alliance Church, we are known for our love. Every visitor that walks through the doors of our church comes through those doors and meets Jackie Meyer, Larry Schaller, Jackie White, so many others. Every person that they run into, that they they talk to when they come to church, experiences love. We know how to love people. We know how to to reach out and to care for people and to show that we care, to show them the love of Jesus. We do it every Sunday. This is who God has made us to be as a church. I know that there are probably uh, some in this church that are on one side of this issue, the extreme side, and others in this church that are on the other extreme side of this issue of should we meet or shouldn't we meet, or should we protect the ones from the virus, or should we just you know, protect people's rights to be able to meet. I know we have people on both sides of that issue, but I also know there are many of us who are in the middle. We recognize that love is what we need. And church, I want to encourage us that we would continue to walk and step with the character that Jesus has developed in us. May we continue to focus our attention on Jesus, especially now. May we not give in to fear, anger, frustration, or anxiety. May we look for, excuse me, may we look for ways to love Everyone, can we be creative in that? Figuring out ways to go and visit someone who is isolated because they're vulnerable and and maybe knock on the door and stand back and have a conversation or uh, to assisted living homes like Jesus would be doing, standing on a window and talking through the window. Can we figure out a way to care for the businesses that have lost jobs, lost their business, families that have lost their businesses or lost their jobs over this? Can we figure out a creative way to reach out to them and care for them? Church, we need to be known for our love, not for our rights that we're defending, and not for our uh, social justice demands to try to protect the least of these. We need to recognize everyone has needs, and we need to find Jesus in the midst of that. Seek his direction. Let him tell us how to do this, because it's hard. We don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. Every day I'm like, okay, God, what do I do today? How do I make it through this day, Jesus? Who do you want me to love and how can I love them today? May we look for ways to love everyone, not just the ones who believe what we believe. May we express and be known for true love, unselfish love, individualized love, sacrificial love, Risky love. And may God get all the glory as the people in our community are drawn to our compassion, grace, mercy, and love. 
Church, I love you. And you're a loving church. Let's continue to love this community and this world as Jesus directs. All right, worship team.
Father, we just uh, thank you um, for all that you are doing. Lord, I thank you for the, the new people that have come into the kingdom over the last couple of months because of the disruption around the world as a result of this pandemic and a response to it. Lord, we are in a moment of truth for us as a church, especially in America. 
uh, we've, we've done a great job for a couple of months of kind of rolling with the punches and dealing with it and loving people in the midst of it. And now, as things continue to intensify and the strain continues to build and the divisions continue to get further apart, we are at the verge of losing our witness and being known for something other than Jesus and his love and what he has done for the world, why he came to the earth to give his life as a ransom for us, to save us from our own sin, to allow us the privilege of a restored relationship with his Father for all eternity. Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us to navigate these strange and difficult and challenging times. Lord, we do ask that you would give us wisdom. Help us to know how we can love others well. Help us to make those decisions day by day. That you would be glorified and that we would continue to just to deepen our trust and our faith in you. Lord, we thank you for your amazing love for us. May we pass it on. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to the end of the chapter. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecy... They will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. But the greatest of these is love. In Jesus' name, amen, and God bless, and hallelujah. Church, it's uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Just want to also give a little shout out to those who may be joining us for the first time online or maybe you've never stepped into the building here before. Uh, we especially want to welcome you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of our service. Uh, we would love to get to know you before we begin to meet in person on June 7th. So if you'd like, go to tacreading.info. There's a, a page in there that you can click on and get more information about the church and send us some information about you. And we'd just like to get to know uh, who you are and what's going on. If you need a prayer for something, we'd love to pray for you. If you have been struggling uh, for whatever reason and just need somebody to love you, we're a church that loves well, and so just would encourage you to reach out to us. Uh, we've got a couple of songs left to, to do and a fun song coming up, so you'll want to stay tuned for a couple more uh, minutes here as we continue to uh, kind of close out our service. You can chat on the uh, chat page on Facebook and YouTube if you'd like as you uh, watch these next couple 
songs. May God be glorified in our church. May we continue to develop our love for him and for each other. And then may we be known for that love, continue to be known for that church. Right, church? Out for that love. Right, church? All right. God bless you guys. Have a great day. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, oh. You are the peace in my troubled sea.
snow, Bob. Step it up. Step it up. Let's step it up. Let's bring it. Bring it. Come on. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. All right. Falling off. You forgot it. Mm -hmm. 